Welcome to Cage Club, a Nicolas Cage podcast. I am one of your two hosts, Mike Manzi, along with... I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm the other host, and this is the second episode. This is us talking about Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And if you heard the first episode that we did, there is a little bit of a change. We were going to do like one episode per week, but we think that you know we're just going to do an episode of movie, and so some episodes might be like 10 minutes long, and some might be an hour long. It's, it's all going to depend on how much he's in the movie. Like this one, for instance, yeah. it's weird that it's the second one that we're doing because as far as I could tell, he's in four shots. Does that sound right? He's in about four shots. I got, I got one line out of him, too. Oh, what, what was the line? I don't know if I heard the line. Yeah, I had to go back and put on the subtitles, but it's when Brad is pulling into the school parking lot on the first day of school. Yep. Uh, Nick jumps up, and he says, I got I to gotta go back and rewatch that, because, I mean, he's in the opening. He tapes the... I'm a homo sign to somebody's back. Oh, that was him. <laughs> that was him. And that's really amazing how, how sort of how far the world has come in 30 years that like, yeah. like that's not even a joke anymore. Right. But back then, like that's so 80s. And that supplanted the kick me sign. You know, they went right from kick me to that. Like these are the cool guys. Those are the nerds. Here we go. We're hitting the ground running. Lines are drawn. But what's, what's crazy about that is that I was watching it and I looked away and then I turned back and I said to my sister, hey, keep an eye out for Nick Cage. And she said, he was just on TV. And <laughs> I said, I said, no, no. And I rewound it. And sure enough, there he was. So like literally, I mean, in the first episode, you said, blink and you'll miss him. Right. I didn't blink, but like I looked down for, I don't know, four seconds. And I looked up and he was, he was gone, which is crazy. And that's sort of what he is the whole movie. What He's, Do you remember what shot that was? That was the one, the taping the, taping the signs of the kids back. So it's like, you know, the first five minutes of the movie. Okay, because I also believe the, he's in a he's in a shot where he's putting mayonnaise on a burger bun, and and I missed <laughs> I missed that the first time. So is that him? At one point in the movie, so he's just credited as Brad's bud. Yeah, and I don't even think he's in the credits. I looked in the credits. I didn't see his name in the credits. Right, me neither. IMDb doesn't say he's uncredited, but in the Blu-ray that I have, he's not listed in the credits. So I don't understand why he's not whatever. But he's just Brad's bud. He does not have a name, and he's still again Nicholas Coppola. For the second movie and the last time, he's Nicholas Coppola. But in the middle, before Brad gets fired from the burger place, he's in, like, two shots. You can see him in the background, and you sort of see him, like, as a quick close-up. But he doesn't have lines. He's just, you know, doing burger restaurant things. He works there. All-American burger, right? He works there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with 100% guaranteed breakfast. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the one where he's, where he's uh, mayonnaise on the, on the burger bun. I think that's that, that shot I was referring to. It's got to be, because the only other time that I saw him in the entire movie is at the football game. He's cheering in the crowd once. Okay, I got a sighting. First day of school registration, when Arnold comes up to ask Brad to help him get a new job, Brad is standing there talking to his two pals, one of which is Nick Cage. Uh, okay. And Nick is dressed like a mirror image of Brad. And there's sort of, <laughs> there's sort of a reason for that, too. If you look like... Through the rest of the movie, like Nick Cage is, is always wearing like a hat and like sort of more than one shirt or like a collared shirt. Like he is dressed a lot like Brad, almost as if they're like some kind of twins or something. Well, maybe they're maybe they're gay with each other, and that's why. <gasps> what if that's it? Mm. He's he's acting out and he's taping the "I'm a homo" sign because he's uncomfortable with his own sexuality. He's trying to. And he's in love with Brad. Yeah. Hmm. He's projecting. Oh, man. I think we cracked it. Well, have you watched any of the uh, special features? No. Okay. 
Now, I'm going to drop a bomb on you, if that's okay. Okay. Because I watched the special features. Nick Cage was supposed to play Brad. Oh, man. But he was too young. He was 17, and they needed someone who could work late nights. So that's the only reason he's not Brad. But that is why he looks like a clone of him throughout the whole movie. <laughs> you know, so, so he like went through the wardrobe process, I guess, and was just like, you're going to be Brad, but then you can't be Brad. So you're just going to look like Brad and not have any lines. It was like an 11th hour thing where Judd Reinhold was, a, was dating the director's best friend and living upstairs, and he did the audition, and, and you know, they're like, are you old enough? And like, you're the man. And uh, they let the kids stay on as uh, Brad's best friend. Because, like, what's weird is that in the best of times, he's sort of the star of the TV series. And that's his first on-screen role. And then in this, it makes sense that he would have been the star in terms of just, like, where he's going. But he's just, he's, without knowing that he's relegated to the background. And then all of a sudden, in the next movie he's in, he's top billed. He's front and center. It's his movie. Like, it's like he came out of nowhere to be, you know, the second lead in a TV show, almost being the lead in a movie, or, you know, not, like, the, necessarily the lead, because I guess, like, Sean Penn is built the first. There's, that's a tough one, too, you know? There is no real main character. Every kid is sort of a main character. Like, this movie, I feel, is doing what the Best of Times thought it was doing, right? We're getting that authentic slice of teenage life, like, fly-on-the-wall perspective. Uh, and it's working. And last week it didn't work so well. They didn't really know what kids were, were quite about. It's amazing how you can take sort of the same idea and get such drastically different results from it. And I'm glad that we didn't have like a Crispin Glover-like character who we followed around the whole movie. Yeah. Because it would have seemed sort of forced. Like, you know, because not like everybody is sort of tied together because they all go to the same high school and they all sort of work or hang out at the mall. But, like, they don't all have to interconnect with one another. They're all sort of doing their own thing. And like you said, it's like a slice of life, fly on the wall. This is what high school is in 1981, 82, as opposed to best of times where it's just like, we all do everything together because that's what friends do. Whether we're washing cars or we are going jean shopping together on ladders or whatever. Yeah, totally. So last episode, we talked about the cage advice, which is with Nick Cage's talking on the beach telling his friend how to pick up chicks. And I felt like in this movie, we get the same thing from the character of Mike, who basically is saying the same sort of thing, talking about how to walk, how to talk, sort of how to take a woman out on a date. And I guess, like, was that in every, like, high school movie in the 80s? I guess. like I'm pretty much, I mean... The cool guy teaching the nerd how to pick up girls? That was, like, a huge social standard, right? Is like, how to talk to women, right? How to pick up chicks. Like, hundreds of books were written about that. Like, the pickup artist. Like, that was even a movie in the 80s. Like, big, big theme, you know, (laughs) permeating the 80s cinema. You don't see that so much these days, but it's one of those, like, rite of passage things. You know, everyone had the, the friend that knew more about sex than you and like you know he would clue you in and then you know you build up your nerve the whole movie to, to do what you're supposed to and then you have the one friend tells you the right advice and then you just go get the girl that's just what happens yeah the first advice is always the right advice don't you know that i mean isn't that just like <laughs> <laughs> what's what's crazy about this movie and i don't want to sort of veer too far off because this is cage club but like it's really sort of the starting point or a very early point for a lot of people. You have you know Jennifer Jason Leigh who's still working. You have Nick Cage who's the, the the reason why we're all here. But you also have Forrest Whitaker yeah. as a guy who seems like he's like a foot and a half taller than everybody else on screen. Um, 
like today, I mean, Forrest Whitaker is, you know, one of the best actors probably in Hollywood. Seeing him on screen, I thought he was sort of of average height. But back in this movie, he's like a gigantic, like ripped athlete. Right. who is the star of the football team. Yeah, and he looks like a real-life linebacker in, in, the, in the movie almost. It's, you know, but uh, he was just a big, a big kid, I suppose. You know? I mean, it's just maybe he had a growth spurt and uh, <laughs> hasn't grown since. Isn't that sort of how it works? But I, I guess. I yeah. agree. It, was, it is jarring. Like when he comes out of his car and he's towering over Mike and you're like, is he on an apple crate? <laughs> Did they are they intentionally shooting him from below? Uh, perhaps, but it does it does stand out, and I love his performance. It's very sort of it's a very small performance. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't say he says like two words, and the rest is just like looks. You know. All I remember him talking about is trying to get Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets. Yeah, that's and that's it. That's basically all he says, and then everything else is like at the football game is just his eyes. Yeah, and then Spicoli trashes his car, which he loves. And then they blame it on the other team, and then he just dominates the football game, and they win forty-two nothing. And that's pretty much the the character arc for Forrest Whitaker's character. But I love it that unlike the best of times, like there are tons of character arcs in this. You know, like even though yeah. we cut away from people, like even like you said, Forrest Whitaker, he's a he's a minor character, but like he has like this like his car has an arc. You know, <laughs> it's a joke that they set up from the beginning. You know, and then they pay it off really well, and it. And it, it shows growth in that particular character. Like, that's very interesting. That's why this movie is a good movie. <laughs> I really wonder if The Best of Times was like a TV movie instead of a pilot, and it was an hour and a half long, if there would have been any kind of payoff. I don't think that there was, because as we talked about last time, the writing is just so bad. Yeah, it just seemed like this disconnected, never-ending you know, craziness, right? Like, even at the end, he's like, come back for more craziness next time, and it's like, there's nothing they're never going to accomplish it. <laughs> but yeah, could you imagine if they made a uh, show out of this movie? Like, it would it is the perfect template for, like, a sitcom, you know, that yeah, times the show. Exactly. You can even do it today. Like, it would probably be more interesting if you did something like that today in a modern American high school. I've been out of high school for so long, I'd probably watch it. Yeah, because all the characters, like, even, like, they're just like Best of Times, there's, you could almost argue that there's almost too many characters, but the difference here is that, like, you know who everybody is, what their relationships with each other are, why they're doing what they're doing, it, just, it really just comes down to, like, this is a good movie, yeah. and Best of Times is not good, it's just, yeah. that's the main difference. Yeah, and, you know, like, Cameron Crowe, right, like, you know... This guy is like a really great writer, so like, that helped a lot. Too. <laughs> that uh, you know the methodology that he went through to create this story, like being an undercover high school kid and, and writing a novel first, like that's that's investigative journalism. You know, that's like probably what helped make this such an interesting movie. Is like it almost feels part partially like we're watching reenactments of a documentary or real life. Yeah, one hundred percent. I was playing this game kind of knowing that. Um, Nick Cage was was cast as Brad. I was just watching them, imagining Nick Cage was playing Brad. So, so I was just picturing him, you know, like masturbating in the bathroom and getting caught. And like, what if it was, you know, what if he uh, was the guy at the end that thwarts the robbery? You know what I mean? Like, it was just, like, ah, it would have been so amazing to have that alternate version 
cut of this film. Yeah, it's just it's sort of it's sort of sad that he wasn't the star. But I mean, again, just sort of like the best times. Like if that got picked up, who knows where he would have been? If he was actually the star of this, who knows what would have happened? I mean, the career that he has is because he wasn't the star of this. Maybe I don't know. It would have been locked in a bank vault in Gremlins next year, like Joe Reinhold was. <laughs> but then yeah, exactly he running next to Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop. Imagine that, like Joe Reinhold. Ooh. He would have immediately had Judd Reinhold's career, but <laughs> he could have. I mean, what like what would what would Judge Reinhold have done? Like he would have, you know, if he wasn't, you know, coincidentally dating someone related to the director. It's just, you know what I mean? It's just, it's the butterfly effect. It's the cage of fly effect. I think that's pretty much all I have. I mean, we could talk about the movie more, but that's sort of everything cage related in the movie. Yeah. Um, likewise, I think. That's that's most of the of the stuff I wanted to bring up, especially just that couldn't believe that I heard Nick Cage was supposed to play Brad. It was just like everything sort of made sense. I was like, well, that's why he's in the movie, right? Uh, but they kind of I think they kind of did the same thing with like Eric Stoltz. Like it, it, he tried out for Spicoli, and didn't make it, but they made him Spicoli's friend. Like that's just really cool producing, you know? Like that's just really cool of them to like populate this movie with the people who didn't get the lead roles and stuff. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's 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 like it's sort of classy in an intro, in a, in a way. It's also sort of kind of weird to be honest though. Like yeah, hey, unusual. <laughs> like you uh you were almost the star of this movie that's going to become, you know, a classic like a cult classic or whatever for decades to come. But instead, you can't do it, so we'll just like put you on the side and nobody's really going to remember that you're in the movie. Everybody's going to remember Sean Penn, everybody's going to remember, you know, Phoebe Cates, but you're there too, so I mean, like, enjoy their success. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I couldn't, I, I mean, think, I think personally, I might have just taken it as a form of gratitude, you know, but I could definitely see someone not quite knowing how to handle that, like, wait a minute, I didn't get the part, but you still want me to play, like, this part? Like, <laughs> it, it does seem kind of confusing. Very, very strange. So I think that'll just about do it. This is a shorter episode. Yeah. Um, I think I think really the shortest episode we're going to have is going to be Never on Tuesday. So that's a sneak peek for that, because he's uncredited as Man in Red Sports Car. He's in that even less than he's in this. I, I'm very excited. I, don't, I have no idea what Never on Tuesday is about. There's a bunch of people who play the character name of Zombie. So I guess it's a zombie movie? I don't know. <laughs> that, that would be a shock. There's nothing about that seems like it would be any kind of zombie movie, but I'm, I have my fingers crossed. Believe me, if Nick Cage plays a zombie driving a car with sunglasses on, that would be like my dream. I may have read it wrong, but I'm not going to check again. <laughs> I want to make sure... Uh, that's what I want to think until we watch it, Never on Tuesday, which is coming up soon-ish. 80s rule is go on the uh, hearsay, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that'll just about do it for the second episode of the Cage Club podcast. That's Mike Manzi. I'm Joey Lewandowski. Join us next time for Valley Girl. Goodbye, 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 goodbye.